What's up and welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast. This is episode 11. The 11! Trent Frederick. Gregory episode. Campbell. Gregory Campbell episode. Um, hey, big alike, lot... huh? Oh, they sorry. do look alike. Well, that's not what I said. I know, I know. That's why, <laughs> that's why I'm going to restart. No, 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 no. Don't restart. Keep that in. That's hilarious. I said, hey. <laughs> I said, hey, break a leg. And you went, they do look alike. <laughs> Hang on, I'm gonna restart. No, no. All right, keep that in. That's all right. Mean. All right, we'll keep this in. <laughs> but welcome back to the Something's Brewing podcast. Um, we are now well into four <laughs> games into the season. Um, Bruins just uh, this is the last time we recorded, I believe. Um, they played the Florida Panthers and last night the Ottawa Senators. Um. There's a lot to take away from these games. Um, a lot to take away from the beginning of the season. Um, depth scoring being one of them. I, I believe the Bruins had 12 of 15 forwards recording at least one point within the first four games of a season. And that's the first time in, in franchise history that that's happened. So that's definitely a positive we could take away from that. Um, but before we jump into any uh, any hockey talk, Nick, what did you do over the... Over the um, time period of the last time we recorded i was afraid you were gonna ask me that because i honestly have no idea that's what i'm doing right now though my the the batteries in my mouse are dying and it's driving me absolutely insane um <clears throat> what did i do wait are you one of those people who can't use a touchpad no I, well i'm one of the people who only use a touchpad and then i got are a you? mouse and now i can't do anything other than my mouse no mouses are way better mouses isn't cool. a word by the way it's mice Mouses. Even if it's a com- if it's for a computer, you still call them mice. If you got two computer, if Actually, you have one know. mouse next to another computer mouse, would you say computer mouses or would you say computer, <laughs> computer mice? I, I, I don't know. We're gonna put that out to a poll <laughs> <laughs> later. What's I'm gonna the be honest. Of com- computer mouse. I have absolutely no idea what I've done since no. we last recorded. When did we last record? Last, last time. We oh, it was after. Was, it was uh... after the first game of the year. Yes. And that was um, when the hell was that? It's been a um, listen. We've had when a, they played Washington. We've had a couple of hockey filled days here. I can't re- exactly remember when that first game of the year was, but I, I know over the weekend I did absolutely nothing. But um, <laughs> lay around, <laughs> lay around the house. Um, I literally didn't do anything. Like I'm actually trying to think of what I did this weekend. I got sushi twice. There's That's something a good that thing. I did this weekend. And um, I prepared myself for this back-to-back game we had here on Monday and Tuesday. What did you have? What'd you end up doing this weekend? Anything exciting? I mean, nothing over the weekend, but we did watch the game together over a fire. Uh, we, we did. Watched, we watched the Arizona game together, and then we went to Buffalo Wild Wings, and we caught the game against Florida with a couple friends, Patrick, Connor, um, caught that game there. And then last night's game against Ottawa, too, we uh, we, we didn't end up doing anything for that game. We were going to have another fire, but it, it, it rained, you know, all day. The wood was wet. Uh, uh, we were both beat from work, so the vibes just weren't there. But, yeah, I mean, we can we can jump right into this. I mean, we didn't get a chance to recap that Arizona game from the other uh, from from last week. Kind of scary a little bit because you have a team like Arizona coming into the Boston Garden. Uh, you 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 want to uh, you know hopefully dominate that game, but that that wasn't the case for it. They still got the two points, so so regardless of the outcome, they still win. They still get those two points, but the game was a little bit closer than 
any of us would have wanted, especially against a team like Arizona. But then you see, too, I mean, this is the beginning of the season. You know, teams are still kind of finding their groove. You just saw Toronto lose to Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, so so the beginning of the season is always going to be a little bit weird. Um, You're going to see good teams get beat by poor teams. You're going to see guys come out of the gate flying one guy in particular who who is playing for the boston bruins who has been catching up so much slack lately during you know during the preseason and the offseason but a lot of those people have been quiet lately and we'll talk about him later but yeah the bruins get the win against uh the arizona coyotes get those two points anything with that game stick out to you in particular um you know what yeah i did i remember when we recorded our our episode last week following the game against Washington, we talked about Arizona. And against Washington, we could not think of anything. I think the only thing negative we had to say was that we wish that Carlo took the body more because they were all over Washington, and that was a great way to start the season. And we said that we didn't want to see Arizona come into Boston and have Boston lay an egg. And Arizona's a crappy team. They don't even have their own rink. And for Boston, I mean, coming off a win like that, you didn't want to see them play down, and they didn't. I thought that they they played well for most of the game. They dominated. They won six to three. And getting it trending, hashtag Feligo. Nick Felino. I'm a defender of Nick Felino now. He had a goal and assist. Vintage Felino. What's up with him lately, huh? Oh Dude, my gosh, Nick Felino right now for the amount of slack that he's taken in the uh, in the off season and in the preseason. Our, ourselves included too. We can't we can't just pretend that we weren't you know down on him to begin the year. I mean, but but in de- in defense of us, ninety nine percent of the fan base was. I mean, yeah. th- you have a guy here who's making three point eight million. Um, he didn't live up to expectations last year. I mean, he only scored two goals last year, and he's already matched that total this year. It, yeah. It's it seems like Nick Foligno may have found. How to? He found his niche, and he and he found um, a way to really complete the role that he fills on this team. And as as long as he continues to play the the way that he does, and um, plays with the energy and the and the in uh, the emotion that he is right now, and just the willingness to compete every single night, he's going to be one of the key pieces to this team moving forward. And I I mean that sincerely. He's going to be a giant piece of this team if you expect them to really really go far this year yeah and and i'll be honest because that's that's what we do on this show we're honest we admit our mistakes i was all aboard the the i hate nick felino train (laughs) i was i was the conductor of the nick felino hate train at when we started this podcast before the preseason even started because it it's it it's no secret that he wasn't great last year um especially given his contract and he was always my leading candidate in terms of freeing up cap space on this team. He would be the one to move based off of his age, his contract, and what he gave you last year and what you have potentially who could take his spot in this team this year. And he has done nothing but make me eat crow because he has been awesome this year. Like you just said, what does he have? Two goals and two assists. He's got four points already. He's uh, he's playing a big role in your bottom six. He's a leader, obviously the guy who wore the C in Columbus. He's he's doing well with these guys who are on. You have a lot of young players now coming up on, on your fourth line. You got guys shuffling in. You got we just you know we're gonna talk about Greer on that third line as well. And I feel like Nick Foligno plays a big role not just on the stat sheet as you know he scored again against Ottawa last night. He's been playing well, but I feel like in the locker room as well, 
I think I saw, um, I don't know if it was Swayman, somebody, somebody yesterday after the game had a soundbite. It might have been Montgomery, actually. Talked about the leaders on this team, and he said, you know, we have Bergeron, who's the best captain in the league, and then after that, we have a bunch of leaders on this team, and they do. I mean, you got David Krejci's back, who's been wearing the A for a freaking decade. You got Pasta, who's the ringleader of all these Czech boys other than Krejci. You got freaking seven of them on the team. You got Nick Foligno, who was the, the leader and the captain of a good Columbus team there for seven or eight years, however long he's wearing the C over there. I mean, you got a lot of leaders on this team. And for the young guys that are coming up and for the young guys that are already on this team, that's what you need. So it's definitely good to see. I'm happy for Nick Foligno. Um, you know, whenever you, you, you share your opinion on a player and it's not necessarily a positive one, especially when it's a player on your favorite team, you want nothing more than to make them feel, make them have you feel like an idiot. And Nick Foligno has me feeling like a dumbass right now because he's playing <laughs> so well and I'm so happy for him. Well, the thing is too, is like, Swayman, Swayman let in three goals on 21 shots. We'll get to him later. Um, Zaka had a goal that game. Coyle had a goal that game. Nick Foligno had a goal that game. Derek Forbert had a goal that game. Um, and and the Coyotes definitely made it a little bit closer than most of us would have liked to see. But, um, I mean, that's hockey. Things like that are going to happen. As long as you get the two points and you, and you get the win, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Use it as a stepping stone. Use it as a building block and just uh, make yourself better. But after that game, this was the big test early on in the season. Um, you know, weird things are going to happen in the beginning of the year. Like, for instance, the Philadelphia Flyers are undefeated right now. Yeah, what the hell's up with that? I don't I thought they know. were tanking for Bedard. <laughs> they should be. I, they, I mean, they can't even do that right. <laughs> <laughs> they can't do anything right. But... um. Yeah, the the uh, the Florida Panthers came into town, and definitely a um, you're you're going to be battling with them a lot during the season for potentially that third overall spot, maybe that second overall spot, um, maybe a wild card spot. But they're going to be a team that you're every time that you play them, you're going to want to secure those two points. And that was the game that Linus Allmark started. Allmark had. Uh, he let up three goals. He had 41 saves. Um, or I'm sorry, he he let up three goals on 41 shots. He had 38 saves. That's a great stat line right there for him. Um, that game, Jake DeBrusque came in flying. Right, he wasn't even supposed to play that game either. Yeah. That's the, Jake DeBrusque was not even supposed to play. Um, he was skating in warmups to everybody's surprise. Um, slots in on that first line right on the wing, and then 21 seconds into the game, he just busts through the neutral zone, beats the defender, just rips a shot on Bobrovsky and, and beats him. Uh, I want to say it was blocker side. Either way, it was far side. He, he beat him far side, and immediately, it was the only goal of the period, but um, immediately gets the crowd rocking, gets the bench going, and kind of sets the tone for the game, which is which is what you want to see out of Jake DeBrusque especially. Yeah, it's a great way to start the game. That's a that's a Jake DeBrus that we all know and love that we were missing last year. You got to think. I mean, the way that these some of these young players have started this season, you know, like you said, Greer and some of these guys that are playing roles that probably wouldn't be playing this role had they be healthy. You got to think Montgomery's got something to do with that, right? Even like oh, I know yeah. we haven't talked about the Senators game yet, but the the amount of line combos he was running with last night was insane, and that's something I don't know if Cassie would be doing that. I know. In, in the past, Cassie would kind of get bogged down and just keep putting out the same lines over and over and over again and watching them not work. 
So it was nice to see that, but happy for DeBrusque. Um, Florida Panthers, I mean, that was a game I think most people were kind of chalking up as a loss. I sent out that tweet asking people like what they thought was going to happen tonight, and I would say a good 90% of them were saying that like we're going to get our our faces stomped in, like we're going to get shit on, like I don't even want to watch this game because Florida is a really good team, and Boston is about to set, they're about to have uh, back-to-back games, and they're hurt, and we saw the exact opposite. I mean, the Bruins played really well that game. Obviously, they won. And uh, we were watching that game from Buffalo Wild Wings, and you you said it right off the bat. I mean, the, Jake DeBrus setting the setting the tempo like that, a guy who nobody knew he was going to play, and then right off the rip, like 20 seconds in, busting down the, the right wing and scoring there. I thought that it was an overall good game, and uh, it stinks that it led to a stinker that they had last night. But that was a weird-ass game. That game last night was crazy it was drunk I mean, <laughs> it was drunk dude i i, I think it was yeah florida i'm not florida uh ottawa came out three nothing in the first or yeah three nothing initially and then bergeron gets that that uh first bruins goal that makes it three to one and then boston has the power play to start the second period they score um right off Krejci the bat scored. it was yeah it was it was david Krejci, and then aj greer the legend just continues <laughs> to grow for AJ Greer. Um, he's he's a player for this Bruins team that in the preseason he definitely gained some momentum within the Bruins fan base just because of the way that he was playing, the the way uh, his attitude was towards the team and and his role within the organization. And I think people really appreciated that. But I'm I'm telling you just as a straight up fact that absolutely nobody could have predicted that AJ Greer, AJ Greer would have five points through four games in the NHL. He's got, he's got three goals in four games, including an empty net goal. And he's got two assists. Um, he slots into that third line so well alongside Coyle and and whoever they decide to stick on the third. I, it's really right now. I think it's between Smith and Frederick, and I think AJ Greer is kind of I wouldn't say cemented his spot, but he's definitely um, it's his spot more, to lose right now. I feel it's, like yes, yeah, it's definitely his spot to lose. I mean, the way that he's playing, I said something <laughs> the other day. Like he's just got he's he's playing with a hundred and ten percent effort every yeah. single shift that he's out there yeah and i and i i think i tweeted it after florida i believe he had the three-point game because he had the empty netter at the end and i remember the bruins put out a graphic saying that his three-point game that he just had tied a career high for points in a season he did that in one game and he had two goals that game which tied his career high for goals in a season so he literally put a season's worth of what he's used to in terms of his output in one game. Well, the thing is too, is like one of the biggest criticisms about this, this Bruins team over the past couple seasons was the uh, inability and lack of offensive depth, you know, past couple seasons, we've really relied on that first line of Bergeron, Marshawn and Pasternak to really drive the offense. And then you're hoping for other guys like Smith, DeBrusque, uh, anyone else you name them you're you're you were looking at them to kind of lead the secondary scoring and and if you're looking for a recipe for success in the nhl you can't just hope 
that your second, third, and fourth lines are, are going to do it. You have to know. You have to, as a as a front office, you know, personnel, you have to set the team up for success that way. And I'm going to give credit, Don Sweeney, Cam Neely, all the front office guys bringing in Pavel Zaka, bringing back David Krejci, giving uh, Jake DeBrus the confidence that, you know, he needs in order to produce by putting him on that first line, having the ability to put Pasternak on the second line with David Pasternak and then slide in either Zaka or Taylor Hall even. Um, it, it's it's something that this, this year's team is really – it seems to be a strength of the roster is the offensive depth of the team. And this is, by the way, this is just without Brad Marchand and, mm-hmm. and defensively without Charlie McAvoy and um, Matt Grizzlick. And I know you in particular, you probably want to talk a little bit about Connor Clifton. Cliffy hockey, baby. Yeah. Who doesn't love some Connor Clifton? Um, I thought that was really big of you for shouting out, um, Don Sweeney and Cam Neely. I know that wasn't easy. I no, know we've, we've we've really ragged on them a lot in this show, but you're totally right. They've they've put together a roster right now that isn't looking too bad. I know they have some injuries. You you talking about you know obviously Grizzik and, and McAvoy are out, but don't forget about Carlo now too, who's got right, a concussion. Right. It's like his seventh of his career. I mean, at some point you got to start thinking about the player. I remember um, I was talking about Bergeron. I remember when his career first started. I mean, he had like six concussions by the time he was like 25. And I know that there was some serious talk then about Patrice Bergeron maybe having to walk away from the sport just, you know, for, for your sake of being healthy for your family and your kids. And you worry about Brendan Carlo. I mean, at, at some point, you know, you worry he, you know, all the concussions he's had. And even that hit that he took the other night wasn't really anything crazy. He just bounced off the glass. So, you hope he's okay and everything's okay with him because you're really going to need him moving forward. You're going to need him now, honestly, with this defensive unit because they look like hot shit last night. That was hard to watch, that defensive crew. Um, but I also wanted to say one thing, too, about A.J. Greer. I love A.J. Greer. I love his offensive production. He's great on the third line. But last night, I don't, I don't know if it's a trend, but last night he was freaking horrible defensively. I know he had a goal, but that first goal that the Senators scored, it was, it was literally a three-on-three, three, right? You had two Senators players at the red line, pretty much next to each other. One of them had the puck, and A.J. Greer was on one of their hips. You had two Bruins defense, defensemen going back, and then you had another Senator winger all the way on the other side of the ice at the red line. So you got a really wide three-on-three. Three. And instead of A.J. Greer staying with those two Senator players he was right next to, he instead skated across the ice and picked up the winger on the far side with that defenseman so now you got two guys covering that one senator's winger on the other side of the ice, and you got a mini two-on-one, and of course they scored. A, uh, a bit of a weak goal. I thought that Swayman could have made a better play on it, but either way, you turned a three-on-three and went two-on-one because you decided to skate across the ice and take a guy that your defenseman had. Their third goal, the one that, um, what's his name, Stutzel had, you had three Bruins guys in the corner, which should never happen. Three Bruins guys in the corner covering two Senators guys. You had Greer up at the blue line covering his defenseman, and he was puck watching. And if you watch the replay, he's just looking at the five guys in the corner in the puck. Stutzel came right down the middle, and you could see as soon as as soon as soon Ottawa saw that he was open and gave him the puck, Greer was like, oh, shit. And he had like this quick motion where he tried to get there, but at that point it was too late. Quick little move, front hand, back hand. Suddenly it's, I think that was 4-3, I think that, or 5-3. That was one of the goals that, when they had three goals in like freaking two minutes there in the – and the second period is one of those, but 
Um, AJ Green's got to clean up that part of his game. I don't know if it's a trend. I haven't been watching him that closely in the couple games he's been played in terms of defensively. I've been watching him all over the ice on offense, but last night it wasn't just the defensive unit that was playing poorly in front of a uh, Swayman, but it was also the forwards too and plays like that. Just, just sloppy, sloppy defense. Yeah. And I mean, you did mention Swayman kind of having a, a rough game. So that's kind of a perfect segue into this um, question from our dear leader at BNG productions, Mark Allred. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at black and gold two seven seven. He said, Last night's game was absolutely atrocious, but I want to hear your thoughts on Swayman's start last night and his game before getting pulled. Please don't mm. be one of the goalie hug brigade members who are saying he's not to blame when he wasn't exactly stellar. So here's the thing. Jeremy Swayman was outplayed by Linus Allmark in the preseason. And a lot of people were saying that's okay. Like it's preseason. It doesn't matter. Like, like these are just warm up games for the guys. But when you see that translate over into the regular season and his game still looks a little bit shaky, it's not a good thing. It's, it's not a good sign at all. Um, I mean, he let up, he let up six goals on 25 shots. Um, he had a 760 save percentage last night. And um, when when the Bruins were making comebacks and tying the game, he just you were looking for him to make that save to kind of to kind of keep the momentum on the Bruins side, and he wasn't able to do that. Um and it's it's not the most concerning thing in the world right now because we do have Linus Allmark who is playing unbelievable. But going forward, you cannot allow Swayman to really get away with this kind of play. He he needs to be sturdy in net. You need to know, and the guys on the lineup need to know that regardless of who starts in net, whether it be Allmark or Swayman, that you're confident in their ability to go in there and be reliable. And and right now, you can't say that about Jeremy Swayman. You just can't. If you're looking at it objectively, um, Linus Allmark is the better goalie thus far in the preseason and in the regular season. Um, I do think he'll – I mean, we're, we're four games into the regular season. He, I, I have faith that he's going to turn it around. I, I'm not at all saying, you know, go, go Allmark – for the majority of the games going forward in the season. Like I, I'm not saying that at all, but, but right now you are probably going to line lean on Allmark. I mean, he's playing better. He's the better goalie right now. You, you lean Allmark. Um, definitely a couple goals that the defenseman from the, obviously from the Bruins did leave him out to dry a little bit, especially there was a two on one. I believe it was the third period where it was, I think it was a Stutzler goal, but, I, out of all the goals he let in, that's kind of the only one that I can really think of where you can kind of blame it on the on the defense and not him. All the rest of the goals were on him. He did not have a strong game. You know, <clears throat> respectfully, I disagree. Really? <laughs> oh, oh no, 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 no. He, <laughs> I thought that you, you're right. He he didn't play great. I thought that he didn't play great against Arizona either. I mean, he gave up three goals on 24 shots. Yeah, he didn't. That's yeah, and that, that's a that's a crappy Arizona team. 
Um, I know they have some offensive players, but I mean, that's a team you're a lot better than. And you would think that, you know, for, for Swayman, like you just said, who had a bit of a rocky preseason, you would hope that a team like Arizona comes in here on your home opener and you can really shut the door. Um, and I thought that he really didn't do that that night, but <clears throat> the game last night with Ottawa, I thought that was an absolute masterclass in how to not play hockey in front of your goalie. And you're right. Swayman did not have a strong night. He did not look comfortable for most of the night. And some of those goals he could have made a better read on, but that first goal was a three on three that turned into a two on one in the slot. That's you would, it was, I thought it was a bit of a weak goal. I thought that he could have made a save, but either way, that's a defensive breakdown. A play like that shouldn't turn into a two on one right in front of the goalie. The second goal um, was a two on two. It was actually a one on two. You had Forbert and Clifton out there. Kachuk came off the bench and just came screaming down the wing and Clifton was puck watching. He didn't even decide to turn to his right and see that Kachuk is right there, who then took a shot at like, I don't know, somewhere in the circle and, and, and beat Swayman. That's a save that you would kind of want him to make. But at the same time, if Clifton makes literally any reaction whatsoever, he's not, you know, Kachuk isn't going to get that shot off. The third goal which was, of course, a goal interference. But at the same time, Stutzel, who he got his goal back later on, but Stutzel's wide open. Nobody is covering him. And I think that was Lauko, who was like in the slot, puck watching. This team has a horrible habit of puck watching. The first goal, Greer, whatever, for whatever reason, booked it across the ice and turned a three-on-three into a two-on-one. The second goal, Clifton was puck watching, let Kachuk come right past him. The third goal that was called back, you had your center, your last man back, puck watching, because, you, again, you had two defensemen in the corner together that should not happen and Krejci was puck watching as well it was just a lot of puck watching um I'm trying to remember the other goals that they had well um, just to jump into uh Anton Schalman got his first game uh his first regular about. season game yeah and he I don't I don't know he didn't look like the same player that we saw in the preseason um I think off the top of my head I'll double check but I think off the top of my head I think he was a minus three um and and he didn't do anything noticeable out there at all. Um, yeah, yeah, he was definitely and 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 I remember the other goals. Now there was also so there was three goals where I felt like Swimming probably you're right. Swimming could have made a better play on the puck, and he he could have turned some of those into saves. But there were also opportunities that the Bruins literally handed to Ottawa. They gave them odd man chances all over the ice because they were puck watching. I believe it was the fourth goal, the one that I mentioned earlier, when you had three Bruins players in the corner battling for the puck with two Senators players. Somehow the Senators come out with the puck, and A.J. Greer, your winger, is is standing up the blue line puck watching, and Stutzel comes right through the slot. If you watch the replay, the entire middle of the ice is wide open. That is a recipe for giving up a goal. I mean, you can't do that. Also, the Strawman goal. He had right behind the net, he gets the puck and just slides it over to the Senators guy who then gives it right to the slot who scores. I mean, there's five goals right there where two of those definitely were not Swayman's fault. The Stutzel goal where he was wide open in the slot where nobody was within a freaking country mile of him. I do not blame Swayman for that at all. The goal that he gave up where Strawman just handed the puck to the Senators behind the net. I don't blame Swayman for that one as well. And the other ones, I think, was just a classic case of just sloppy hockey. I think it was missing players, puck watching, and Swayman not exactly doing his best job of bailing you out. Yeah, and let's not forget either. Um, Ottawa technically 
they scored a fourth goal in that first period too that would have made it four nothing. Um, yeah. but but it was called back due to a goalie interference, and honestly, that call could have gone either way. Um, so potentially you have Jeremy Swayman there letting up seven goals. I mean, yeah. that, you're in the you you just anytime you let up, I would say even more than five goals, you're ninety percent of the time you're not going to win. Yeah, um, I think I think last night you saw a lot of um a lot of sloppy positioning in the defensive zone, and a lot of that stuff starts with your defenseman. And you yep. can see how battered this unit is. And I think that it, it it showed itself last night. I think that, you know, we made note of it um, when they played Washington. I thought that the defensive unit was playing out of their mind. I thought they were playing a lot better than we would thought that they would be given the injuries that they had. And I think not having McAvoy, not having Grizzlick, and of course now not having Carlo, you saw it last night. They regularly had were sending two defensemen in the corner. And when you do that and you have your center – watching the puck that's just leaving lanes open behind you and you saw it all night the goal that got called back you had Krejci watching the puck I don't even remember Lauka was like standing in the corner I think Lindholm fell and whoever he was out there was standing next to him in the corner and whoever scored on the Senators was just standing right there with a wide open back door now thankfully they called it goaltender interference and you're right that would have made it four nothing but what I got out of that game was I'm a little nervous right now about Swayman he did not look good I think that he could have made a lot more saves than he made last night. But I think the the bigger thing that I took from that game is not just your defensemen, but your forwards played horrible in your own zone. They played horrible in the neutral zone. They were turning the puck over and they were missing reads, just out of position all night. And, you know, if, if, if you give up seven goals like that to Ottawa, I mean, how do you expect to beat Tampa? You know, how do you expect to be Toronto? I mean, you, you you caught Florida. That was a good win. But, like, if you play like that again against Florida, you're not going to beat them. I thought that it was a master class last night of how not to play in front of your goalie. And, unfortunately, Swimming couldn't bail him out. Yeah. And I will say, too, because you did mention Lauko, um, I, I want to see him kind of maintain a spot in the lineup a little bit more. Um, he's drawn he's drawn three penalties in, in four games. That's a big part of his game. I, he has a couple points. I know he has a goal. Um, but Lauko, Felino, and then whoever you can kind of mash in into that fourth line, I, I want to see Lauko in there because his game seems to really fit that fourth line role. But um, Yeah, you know who else I want to see in there? Not just Lauko, but uh, late late Twitter DM by Lauren at, what's her at? At Big Bad Bruins Energy big, or something? Big Bruins Energy. Big Bruins energy. Where the hell is Jack Stanika? She just asked yeah. us that. I would love to know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're, you're trying all these options. You're calling up all these players. Um, throw them in there at the fourth line. Have them play center. I mean, unfortunately, you got players being injured left and right. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt in these early games to call up Jack Stanika and get his feet wet, get him going to start the season. Where the hell has he been? Well, not only that, but if you're looking at how the Bruins played in the preseason, uh, this year, more than any other year in Jackson Nika's career, he kind of earned a spot in the lineup to at least, and at least in the first four games, have have one game under his belt. At least, especially in that yeah. Ottawa game, you know, you're on a you're on a back to back. You just traveled from Boston to Ottawa. Um, give somebody a rest and and put Stanika into the lineup. Um, yeah, she, I agree she, too. I mean, sorry, you can go. No, I, no, no, you go, you go. Oh, no, I was going to say, I mean, for a couple years there, you know, before before we got Lysel, before we got these other guys here, I mean, Stanika was like the only guy that we had. He I mean, was when they, even, 
it was him. It was him and that what was his name? That Coco guy that they traded. Do you know who I'm talking about? The, the guy with the really long last name. Everybody called Coco. Oh, don't give me that. Uh, oh, 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 uh, oh, my God. Uh, Alexander Koklachev. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that, that, yeah. like those were like we kept hearing about Stanika and about that guy forever. And like now, like you're gonna have some space, you know, uh, between your wingers, your centers moving forward. You got some aging centers here that you think are gonna leave pretty soon. I mean, this is time for Stanika to come up and start getting some minutes because the way that they're constructed right now, unless they make a splash in free agency and. With Don Sweeney's past free agent history, I hope to God they don't. But like Stanika could have a fairly sizable role moving forward. And why not get him started now? I mean, especially if you're cycling in guys in that fourth line, you just picked AJ Greer up off the street and look what he's doing on your third line. I mean, give Jack Stanika a shot. Call him up here, see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm honestly like caught off guard that he hasn't even played a single minute in the NHL regular season this year. Because yeah. she, so Lauren also said too. She said, um, "Do you think that they're mishandling his career?" Um, I don't think necessarily they're mishandling his career because he is still young. But this is definitely a crucial part in his career. I mean, he's not getting any younger. I believe he's either twenty three or twenty four. But regardless, twenty three, yeah, twenty, yeah. Regardless, he sh- he's somebody who should be a who should at least have one game in this regular season so far, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, it, it, it kind of makes you wonder, I don't know if it ruins his development or ruins his career per se, but you know, when you have Bruce Cassidy here for the years that he was here and he really never give Jack, gave Jack Stanika a shot. And now you have Montgomery here, who's supposed to be, you know, a young player's coach cater more towards the youth. And he also has been giving him a shot and he's actually been giving other guys shots who weren't even in the organization last year over you. I mean, it starts to make you think, I know I heard some, I heard, um, and, and, and I don't want to say that, you know, Jack Stanique is doing anything wrong. I don't, I mean, there's stuff to the story that we don't know, but I know that, um, I think Montgomery said in an interview where he was asked about Stanika and he said that, um, Oh, I don't want to mess the quote up, but he basically told him like, you know, like keep working hard. Like you're going to get your opportunity. We just have a lot of players that, are good basically is what he said, but he was, he made it seem like, like you're not out of the picture. We didn't stash you somewhere. You're still here and you're going to get your shot. You know, just, just keep working hard in practice, I guess. Keep making an impression, not just like in practice too, but I don't know, ask questions. You got a bunch of veterans on this team who've, who've been through the same thing. I know Bergeron was on the roster. He was like 19, but still that's a guy you can lean on for help, some assistance and transitioning into the NHL and see what you got to do. Um, well, Especially too, I mean, Bergeron's a center. Sanika's gonna probably be a center. Like, mm-hmm. learn from Bergeron, and I'm sure he is too. It's not like, it's not like Sanika's just in practice going through the motions. Like, I'm, he's in the NHL for a reason. Um, he he has the skill set. He has the potential. It's just um, he has to wait for his opportunity. But when his opportunity comes this season, he needs to seize it. He needs to take that opportunity. Don't look back. Don't look. Don't let go of it. And you take that. You run with it, and you make this opportunity worthwhile. Yeah, I agree. You know what I want to do right now? Wait, actually, before you do that, I have a question for you. Okay, let me hear it. So Stanika, just to stay on the DM. So Stanika, 
obviously, you know, being on the ninth floor is no help to his game. But who in the lineup would you take out to put Steinika in? It's tough. That's, I mean, that's that's a good question. Yeah. Honestly, I I would not sub him in right now. The way that this Bruins team has been playing, Felino on that fourth line center, we were just praising the guy for how well he's been playing. I mean, I don't know who I would put him in for. I like Coyle, his spot in the third line. Yeah, you're not going to take you, Coyle away. Unless you, like, bump Coyle to the wing and, and put Stanika on the third line. But, like, it, it's not so much that, like, Stanika deserves a spot in this Bruins team because he I feel like he does. I mean, I don't know what he's doing every day in practice, but I feel like he's been in the system long enough and you're going to need him enough in the future where he should be getting some minutes. But at the same time, the like n- nobody deserves to have their minutes taken away in right. terms of their centers. Like Felino deserves a spot in this lineup right now, the way he's playing. Absolutely. So does Coyle. And Stani- I mean, unless you want to put Stanika on the wing somewhere, you can, I guess, put him over Lauko or something. But like that, the, the whole part of his game is is his ability to play a center. And that's what he's going to be moving forward. So I think with Stanika, I also wouldn't rush him into the lineup. Like don't throw him in the lineup because, oh shit, we haven't played Jack yet. Let's throw him in the lineup. No. Like, I, like, you have some depth there. Like, it's a good option to have Jack Stanika waiting back there to play fourth-line minutes should Felino get hurt or should somebody get hurt. Um, but I feel like, like, moving forward, I feel like he, he I feel like he should be your first guy off the bench. Like, say a fourth-line winger gets hurt or something, you could shuffle Felino to the wing and put Stanika in there at the center. Like, I would be fine with that. But as this team is right now, the way that they've opened the season and the way that their bottom six has been playing, I really can't think of anybody that I would want to take out to put Stanika in. I would, out of anybody in the lineup, I would maybe take out Frederick. Maybe take Frederick out, let Stanika play that wing, see how he fits in that third line role, or, you know, just, I just want to see Stanika play because he's, he's got potential. He's, and it's, it's not doing him any good to just sit on the ninth floor and watch his team. Um, what I don't if know, send man. Him back to Providence? I mean, at the end of the day, you want them to be playing. I mean, right, it, right. sure, it, it helps, you know, being around the organization and being in those meetings and being in practice. But if you're going to be, you're right. If you're up on the ninth floor every night, then what's the point? And also that third line has been buzzing. I don't want to touch that third line right now. Right. So I don't like, I, I feel like, I feel like the reason he's not playing right now, and maybe this is what Montgomery was alluding to, isn't because of his ability. I think it's more so of the current ability of their bottom six because they're playing yeah. great right now. They weren't great. I just said they weren't great last night defensively, but like they're putting points on the board and that's taking a lot of pressure off your top line without Martian off the check line, which they haven't had depth like this since like 2013. I mean, it's been a long time since they've been able to consistently roll out four lines and especially with the team whose core is or the most impactful players forward wise, not including pasta, but like Martian is 34, I believe injured hips Bergeron's 38 Krejci was just freaking playing in Europe for a year he's like 38 is like these are old guys and you can't be putting them out there for 27 minutes a night every night like you need some depth to take some minutes off those guys so it's a I guess it's a good position to be in but you know if if yeah. you're worried about Sanika's development I don't know maybe you send him down to province for a little bit but he'd be the first guy I would be putting on a bus back up to Boston should somebody get hurt yeah, I mean, it's it's really him and McLaughlin, the first yeah, two guys that should be on the call. Too. Yeah. I know, man. I mean, it's just it stinks for him because he does have that two way. So just contractually, it just it's the thing that makes sense for the most. Yeah. 
with within the organization, but um, he's he's a guy that definitely deserves a spot. But I mean, it is a good problem to have, like you said. Um, it's the Bruins haven't had this kind of depth in a while, and it's like all of a sudden we don't really know what to do with it. We have breaking news. Oh boy! This oh boy! Breaking news live on the pod. This is live on the pod. I don't know if this is it's it's it, I don't know if this is true or not. Okay. Um, say? It has to do with the Bruins jerseys. I'll preface okay. with that. Okay. 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 So, so we've all been talking about you know the the Bruins retro jersey. What's it gonna be? They're bringing back the Pooh Bear and they're freaking teasing us like crazy. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw, but I tweeted about it today. Andrew Raycroft, who of course works for Nesson, very in touch with the Bruins, changed his profile pic to a picture of him when he was on the Bruins in like freaking 05, whenever the hell that was, wearing the classic yellow Bruins jersey with the big Pooh Bear on front. And I quote tweeted it, and I said, hey, now, that's a little suspicious, you know? The, <laughs> the, the Bruins are ready to release the details of this jersey. Why would Raycroft change his, his profile picture to the Pooh Bear jersey today, of all days, where they just dropped the teaser? Well, I'll shout this guy out, Adam Firmino, at Adam Old Crow, just responded with this. I don't know if it's true because this isn't from the NHL, but I will say it has the Adidas logo in the bottom corner and the NHL logo as well, and it says Boston Bruins reverse retro jersey, and you can see it's the it's the white jersey with the freaking the Pooh Bear in the middle. Oh, yeah. as I pull up the messages. That's a cool – listen, the Bruins have – they've been on a real good streak here with some sexy-ass jerseys. To... My one of my favorite ever Bruins jerseys, and I don't know if people agree with this, I feel like they should, but that <laughs> that third jersey that they were wearing for most of the 20 teens, the all black with yes. the shield on the front with the walking bear. When it, whenever I see that jersey, I immediately think of Lucic, I immediately think of Sean Thornton. I think of those teams that would just beat the shit out of every team that they played, and oh my god, and then even um uh, that was, that's when they started to wear the Bruins shield on their shoulder as well, where it has the same logo as a third jersey. I think those are like my favorite Bruins jerseys ever. Those jerseys for a while, way back, I would have been okay with them making that like a, like not replacing the home jersey, but like kind of like a Linus Allmark's Jeremy Swayman, do it 50-50. Like I yeah. loved, I loved those jerseys. Yeah. They were so and it's clean. They really were, and it's hard to get creative with uh, jerseys in the NHL because, like, the sweaters are sacred. Like, you know, it, it's it's kind of the unwritten code of the NHL. You, you don't you don't touch the jersey, which is why these jersey ads I think are so stupid. But that's that's beyond the point. And like so many teams, like especially like the original six teams, like Bruins, Toronto, Red Wings, Rangers, like those jerseys have not had any change in so long. And I think that the Bruins, the Bruins have changed the B. A handful of times and when they added like like the like the wings on the b and like they finished this like the bruins b right now i think is perfect i don't think their yeah. logo gets any better than it is right now i love it i don't and, and that's why it's hard because like how do you create a third jersey for something that's already like so sexy like as it is like what do you what do you do from here which is yeah. why if they if if that guy's tweet is true i think i looked at it again i think it's a prediction tweet but that's what people seem like it's going to be like that white jersey with the mountain crest and the big poo bear in the middle, I am all over that. I because like that is so different than what we've seen them wear recently. That would be awesome. It's funny too because, like you said, with the original six teams and like 
um, them changing their jerseys. It literally never happens. The Bruins might be the original six team with the most variations in their jersey. Like, they, yeah. like you said, they had that they had that walking bear logo. They had the giant just yellow B for the Winter Classic in, at Gillette. Uh, they had the mute yellow with the kind of cartoonish B for the Winter Classic at Fenway. Mm-hmm. Um, they they uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they had a white jersey as well for um some sort of series jersey i don't know why i'm blanking on it right now but but it sounds good (laughs) yeah yeah the leafs haven't changed the leafs legitimately have like never changed anything about their jersey yeah i know (laughs) uh the red wings same thing i mean they they had that d the kind of fancy looking d but like that's the only thing I can think of from them. The Rangers, yeah. Rangers have had the same logo since the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> the Rangers is perfect though. The way I, it's, dude. that is so like never touch that. You know, never. I I tweeted at you last night. You know what I think are the two most hideous jerseys in all I, of hockey? Can I guess? Cur- yeah. Current it. jerseys. Current jerseys. Yeah. Okay. I know. I know one is. Well, this uh, this, this also. In- yeah, this also I was gonna say this also includes like alternate jerseys. Those navy blue Edmonton ones with just Gross. nothing but orange trim, like makes me it it's like it makes me vomit. Like that is disgusting. Yeah. There's literally no design whatsoever. It looks like it was like you you pulled it out of a dumpster and just threw it on. Can you <laughs> guess what the uh, the other the, my other least favorite jersey has a similar theme? Can you guess what it is? Same colors. Not the same colors, but same design idea. Nashville. No, it is the those Dallas Stars black jerseys with the neon greens. Really? I, I freaking I think that they were cool for like one year, and now I just hate them. They're they're like that's an EASHL jersey if I've ever seen it. There's there's no design. It's just it's just you. Let's just take the normal Dallas Stars jersey, black it out. And then, like, where every white stripe on the jersey was, let's just make it neon green. Like, that <laughs> looks so dumb to me. I hate – I can't stand that jersey. But did you see the rumor that is most likely true about their jersey? No, what? They're going to make the reverse retro glow in the dark. You don't – you play with the lights on. Why does it matter <laughs> if the jersey glows in the dark or not? When you're that's out there the, for the anthem, when you dim the lights, you got grow, it, you got glowing players out there on the blue line? That's their uh, that's their uh, home ice advantage. They just turn the lights off so that they just <laughs> – they just look like those, like, those, like, stick people with, like, the um... – Well, wouldn't that be an advantage for the other team? Because you can see where the stars are, but the stars can't see you. Yeah, but then, then the other team has no idea where anyone else is. Well, yeah, but they the know where the other game. team is. Oh my god! Okay, li- listen. I want to play a game, okay. <laughs> and I call it a game. You can call it whatever you want. But I was listening. I don't remember who it was. I was listening to a podcast, and they were doing almost like a pick 'em, like a who would you rather have, this guy or that guy? And I thought that that could be fun. So I have twenty names here, ten sets of players, and I want to. I want to go through. Want to hear who you would rather have and why. Okay. Sound good? Sounds phenomenal. Okay. The first matchup, there are a few Bruins on this list. The first okay. matchup is Taylor Hall or Tomas Hurdle. Mm, Taylor Hall. More more offensive consistency. Um, Hurdle definitely has a more a little more physicality to his game. 
but the way that the NHL is trending, like, yeah, that's still a good thing, but I would rather have Taylor Hall, who's, who's, who has been the MVP of the league one year, um, been on successful teams and um, just consistently produces offense. I would go Taylor Hall. Was Hurdle was was he not linked to the Bruins last year or within the yeah, last couple was. years? I was gonna say I swear there were talks about him. Whenever I think of Hurdle, I always think of that game where he had four goals like his rookie year, <laughs> and the fourth goal was when he put his stick between his legs and roofed <laughs> yeah. like. Oh my gosh! Obscene. I remember. I remember that graphic to do in your first game. Yeah, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like this guy's gonna get freaking eighty goals this year, and he's yeah. just been, you know, maybe he might get mid thirties one year, but just a very run of the mill average top line winger or center, whatever the <laughs> hell he plays. But that's yeah. a good start. I also want to add in here, all of these players' current situations. So you're taking them for their age as well as their contract. Okay. 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 Next matchup. Charlie McAvoy or Adam Fox? How can you do this to me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you who I would oh, take God. after yours. Oh, God. Ah! Adam Fox. Yeah, that's who I would take, too. I, uh, I, uh, that I, hurts. Felt, I felt gross thinking about it, but... Oh, the, I, I mean, mean the, Adam if, Fox if just has a little more, like, offensive ability to his game but exactly. McAvoy is the better a year defenseman. younger too if that matters but um yeah. whatever you look at any sort of ranking whether it be I don't know TSN ranking their top defenseman it could be Yahoo fantasy top defenseman they're always four and five or they're always five and six it's always Fox one spot ahead of Charlie McAvoy yeah. which as a Bruins fan it, it I don't like it but as a fan Damn. of hockey yeah, I think I would put him yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit above Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, right. if I if I take my fan glasses off for a second and I really look at it, I would. Oh my god, I hate that I'm saying this right now, but I, <laughs> I I would probably take Fox over McAvoy. Yeah, that's fair. Fuck. Fair. Couple of couple American boys though, you can't hate them, huh? Hey, Fox is American, right? Wait. I should have I should have looked that up before I said it. Yeah, he is. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Also, I have a theory. I am absolutely convinced that Canadian Gary Bettman refuses to let NHL players go to the Olympics because he knows that the USA will finally mess Canada up. We've got a freaking squad. Are you kidding me? The reigning MVP, Austin Matthews, American. Um, Connor Hellebuck, American. Norris winner, Adam Fox. We believe he's American. Like he is. He's from New freaking... York. He's from New York. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh, perfect. Then he's on the Rangers. Like, yeah. like this. Like, if if the United States were to start sending Americans to the Olympics, best Olympic team USA has ever had, hands down. Jack Eichel. Yeah, shooing to get uh, at least at least bronze. I mean, you're meddling. I'm trying to think. Of I would even say at least silver. Well, I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. We know that they do have quite the tendency to s- somehow randomly implode on the on, on the big stage. But um, Austin Matthews alone, guy just had 60 goals. Have him as your top line center. All right, all right, moving on. Third one, Elias Pettersson or Brady Kachuk? Brady Kachuk. Yeah. I think Pettersson's too streaky. Pettersson is too streaky. Kachuk at least brings like – if he's not producing offensively, at least he brings that nastiness to the lineup. Yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking too. Yeah, that's something Pedersen doesn't bring. 
He can score, he can assist, and he can punch your face in. Pedersen, right, can, only do, Pedersen can only do two of the three. <laughs> and yeah, he's on no. the Canucks, and we don't like the Canucks. Oh, they're so irrelevant, dude. Have you wait, wait, time out. Before we go any further, all right. So I know this is a Bruins podcast, but like like we said early in earlier episodes, we like to branch out too and talk about the NHL as a whole. Uh the Vancouver Canucks are the first team in NHL history to have started the season with a lead in every single game and lose every single game. I saw that. I saw the screenshot of that. And I mean, if 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 it wasn't more obvious of the tank job going on for Connor Bedard, that's all the evidence you need. No, I'm ha- that would never happen to a Canadian team. I don't think I don't think they would tank for Connor Bedard, but that is alarming, and I'm very happy that it's happening to the Canucks. The only way it would be better would be if it was happening to uh, the Canadians or Toronto. But I'll yeah. take the Canucks as well. Here's yeah. here's number four. We're staying in the family, and we're staying with the Canucks. Quinn or Jack Hughes? Jack Hughes by a million. Really? Yeah, yeah. Jack Hughes by a million. 100%. You value forwards over defensemen? You hate defensemen? Well, is that what you're saying? The, the thing is, Quinn Hughes is, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's offensively productive, but you can't really rely on him to play shutdown defense. He's just, he's too small. And Jack yeah. Hughes, you slide him into that second line center spot right now. Um, we actually go 82 and 0. <laughs> Although I will say, <laughs> watching Quinn Hughes skate when he has a puck on his stick, there's some there's there's very few players I feel like that make you like stop and you're like holy shit, like McDavid's there, Kale McCarr's there, Quinn Hughes is not Kale McCarr, but his offensive game, Quinn Hughes is insane offensively. Yeah. And you're right, defensive zone, good luck because he's like freaking five eleven and like 170 yeah. pounds soaking wet. But at the same time, his offensive upside is through the roof. But I was on the I was on the, the Quinn Hughes hype train just because I love him as a player. But the realest part of me would agree with you and Jack Hughes. Yeah. Next, it, it, it wouldn't be a list if we didn't at least throw one goalie matchup on here. Okay. We're going Carter Hart or Spencer Knight. Ooh. Keep in mind. See, you, the, see Carter Hart has had a weird start to his career. Some years he's good. Some years he's awful. And <laughs> Sir Knight hasn't really been proven, but he seems to have a really high ceiling. I would go with... I would go with Carter Hart. Really? Yes. I would go with Spencer Knight. Because... I think Carter Hart is really finding his game right now. I think I, I think it's either his third year or his fourth year in the NHL, and I think he's finally comfortable and he looks damn good. Yeah, I think I think that this I think that this one is probably the toughest one on here because you've definitely first of all these are these are like two of like the young kings in the NHL. Like these guys are going to be really good for a long time. You've seen more of Carter Hart, but Spencer Knight is like supposed to be the face of goaltending in the NHL. He was like what, like the ninth overall pick or something like that. Like he was really highly drafted, and I know you haven't seen as much of him because I also have Bobrovsky down there in Florida. But I'm a I'm a big potential guy. I think for myself, I would take Spencer Knight. But there's no wrong answer there because Carter Hart's insane as well. Carter Hart, whatever the hell I call him. All right, next matchup: Nikita Kucherov or Artemi Panarin. Oh man. 
Panarin because Kucherov is made of glass bones. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like Tampa does that on purpose so they can circumnavigate the cap. They they might I feel like I feel like every year they all get together. I feel like every year they all get together and they all draw straws. And I feel mm-hmm. like Kucherov is just really bad at it. He just got horrible luck in every <laughs> Who's getting year, hurt this year? Who's going to LTIR? Year, every, every year, he gets the, the short straw, and they got to take him out back, and they got to grab a hammer or something and hit him in the ankle a couple times. And I feel like Nikita Kucherov, I I would take – I Panarin is amazing. He's so much fun to watch, and he's – I believe he, are, he has like 10 points this year through his first four games, which is like incredible, but I would still take Kucherov. You know I what's think crazy Kucherov, about I think, Panarin? What? He's been on three teams. Yeah. You know what's even crazier is uh, Chicago took Andrew Ladd over him. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what a clusterfuck the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> I think I think the Chicago's defense, they knew that he would. I'm pretty sure it was Andrew Ladd. I think they had Ladd. It was either Ladd or Saad. It was one of those two. Oh, I think it was Sod. I think you're right. They had Sod, and they won the Stanley Cup, and then they let him go, and then that line, I think he was on the top line with Taves, and Kane might have been on that line too, and that line really struggled with Panarin on it instead of, well, it didn't struggle, but it wasn't as good, so then they decided to like let Panarin walk so they could save money and then bring back Sod, and then like talk about a blunder. Like, holy hell. Like, Panarin is insane. Yeah. Look at them now. The... They're screwed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they had to get rid of the brinket so they could freaking pay the lights in the place. Oh. Oh. I think I think that's that's a hard one. I think there's no wrong answer there. Myself, I would take Kucherov just because um, he had, like, freaking 130 points that year. He won the MVP. And I just think he has a better track record. But yeah, that's he, fair. he does he does have glass bones and paper skin, so you might have me with that one. No, that one could go 50-50 either way. But I do want to ask you this. Not yeah. even really not even really ask you this, but just to bring it up. Um this division really only has one team that's that's putrid. And that's the Montreal Canadiens. But goodness. The Buffalo Sabres are a good team. They're no longer the team that you see them on the schedule and you're like, okay, scheduled win. They're not that team anymore. (laughs) Tage Thompson is a beast. Alex Tuck is a beast. Owen Power is a beast. Rasmus Dahlin is a beast. Um, The only really fault that they have right now is, um, oh, by the way, Victor Olofsson, beast. JJ Paterka, beast. Beast. Jack Quinn, beast. Beast. The Buffalo Sabre. I, okay, <laughs> all right. But they they have Craig Anderson in that this like forty two year old goalie. That's the only real piece that they're missing. Um, mm-hmm. they're not gonna they're not gonna make a run of the playoffs this year. But they're not a team that you see on the schedule and you're like, okay, two points. Like you're you're gonna have to show up to play them. Uh, same thing with the Ottawa Senators. We literally just saw that last night. Not a scheduled win. Um. Imagine, imagine if Buffalo, for whatever reason, decided to knock rid of Linus Allmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Buffalo. <laughs> Blunders all around. <laughs> and Taylor Hall. <laughs> yeah, and, and they might. They done. They did well by getting rid of Jack Eichel, I guess. Yeah, well, they did. They the Sabers also did just uh, wave Anders Bjork. So uh, 
Yeah, and nobody picked him up. I was hoping the Bruins would get him back. So, I mean, yeah. effectively, he would have just given up, what, a, a second for Taylor Hall? And they gave up some other prospect, I think. But, yeah. oh, well. Oh, Detroit. That was the other team. That, <laughs> that was the other team. I was Dude, they have, they, have the, uh, they have the biggest line yeah. in NHL history. I think it's Soderblom. Sunquist and um um some someone else got I, I'm blanking out his name right now, but that's okay. But that Soderblom guy is going to be a problem. Uh yeah. Cider, uh Larkin. Um they have Huso in net now. None of these teams in the Atlantic Division are just a walk-in win anymore, other than really Montreal should be a walk-in win. And still, even Montreal, they have Suzuki and Caulfield. Um they could sneak in, they could surprise you, but um yeah, I mean this division there's so much parity in the NHL now. There's really only a couple like terrible teams. This whole thing started cuz you went, "Wait, I want to ask you a question." And you just started talking about Buffalo and the Red Wings. <laughs> okay, well my, my well my main question is out of out of Detroit, Buffalo and Ottawa, um out of those three teams, what which one of those three could you see really, really pushing for that wild card spot? I would have to say Ottawa, hmm. right? I just think that I'll be the first to say I'm never going to trust the Buffalo team to do anything until I see them do it because they've just been ass for so long. And I think that comparing Ottawa to Buffalo – I feel like Ottawa has some more heavy hitters. They have some more guys who've been around for a while. And I feel like I feel like Buffalo is in a great spot. They've got some really good young talent, but I feel like they're still coming up. I feel like they're 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 still riding this wave. And I think they're gonna be good for a little bit, but I just don't think it's their time yet. Where Ottawa invested, they made some trades in the offseason. They got the Brinkett, they made some moves, they got Claude Giroux to compete this year. And I think because of that, I think the veterans they've that they have on their team mixed with some of these guys that got in the offseason and the guys that they already had. I think that out of those three teams, Detroit, Buffalo, and Ottawa, I would be most afraid of Ottawa. And I think that Ottawa is probably has the best chance to get the wild card. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would probably pick either detroit honestly i'm uh god i want to say buffalo just because i weirdly like the buffalo savers but <laughs> i would probably go detroit or ottawa as well just because their goaltending isn't as yeah. old and decrepit as buffalo's yeah and i think that line you mentioned from detroit if i'm not mistaken i believe their average height and weight was like six six two sixty. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And that's and, that's a line of forwards. Those aren't two defensemen. Like that's three big guys skating around. And one of them had a really nifty chance for a goal the other night. Yes, sort of one, dude. He has yeah. hands. They he, were saying I saw a picture and it was um it was like Zidane Chara and Pavel Datsyuk had a baby and it was him because he's <laughs> big like Chara and he's got some hands <laughs> like Datsyuk. All right, yeah, all right, dude. all right. Let's keep this thing going here. I got we got uh, four more. Okay. Now this one is going to be the hardest to remove your bias from, gonna, but I'm okay. going to need you to do it. Keep in mind age and contract. Just keep thinking that. Okay. Patrice Bergeron. Bergeron. And, and John Tavares. Ber oh, Ber oh my God. Bergeron. Really? Even, even oh my with, God. Yeah. 
No, listen, I would no, take Bergeron there's no in a heartbeat. But with the even with the if this is his last year, you would still take Bergeron over Tavares? Yes, yes, yes. Tavares is a loser. Tavares hasn't done anything <laughs> in his career that has made me say, Oh, I need this guy on my team. He he came into Toronto. He I he posted that picture of him in the Toronto maybe in the PJs. In the PJs. And it's like, he's like, I'm home. Yeah, okay, good for you. You haven't done anything. Like, no. Uh, <laughs> but I would take Patrice Bergeron at age 34 over a 28 year old John Tavares every single day of the week. Beautiful. I, I don't care. I'm my fan glasses are completely off. Bergeron's won a cup. Bergeron's won five Selkies. John Tavares is a good player, but he's nowhere even close to a Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, fuck John Tavares. I don't care. Now that's a Bruins fan, baby. I and that's that. not even that. I it's just, it's just that. like, dude, he's just a million times better. A million times better. I think. Don't I think even. Everybody... Don't even. No, listen, don't even. Listen. <laughs> listen. I think I if, I, if, I, if I were starting a team. No. No. And. And I could either have Bergeron for one year or Tavares for a handful. Bergeron. I don't know. I mean, I think I would take John oh, Tavares. No. No. <laughs> no. 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 It's, it's Bergeron all the way. Come on. Light the candle. St. Patrice. That hey, a, yeah. That was a it good better one. Be. I love Patrice Bergeron. Did you see the interview? The Bruins tweeted the interview because he just tied or passed Rick Middleton in goals or whatever. They, they they shared a video of his first ever interview that he had after he scored his first goal, and he was a baby. He was like 18 years old. You could tell he's from Quebec because he can he could hardly speak English. And he was like, "Oh, like what do you see when you scored the goal tonight?" He's like, "Oh, you know, like like you know, like the, the they're laying open up, and I go and I shoot the like the, the guy. You can tell English was his second language. He's come a long way, dude. He because they immediately jumped to uh, the interview that he had after the his recent goal, and it, it sounds like a different person. God, that was so long ago. It was 19 years ago. That's his first NHL goal. I mean, you hear that and you just you 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 come to an appreciation level that you may not have even had before. That was 19 years ago. That's a baby Patrice Bergeron. And it's he's talking about his first NHL goal. He, he's come so far and we're so lucky. It's crazy. I mean, it, it, you, it puts things into perspective. I mean, it doesn't I don't want this to be Bergeron's last year. I feel like it's more probable than not that it will be. I'm hoping that it's not. I think things could happen. He could be here next year. But I feel if like this, he does. I think he comes if, back next year. I really, I hope Way him too and Chris early prediction. Come back next, yeah. But, um, I mean, like for myself, I mean, he was drafted. I wasn't even in kindergarten yet. And this guy is still playing. Like that is, that is so insane. And not just still playing. Like effectively, the guy just won a Selkie. Like he's still argue, he's an 89 overall in NHL 23. Like he's he's still a really good <laughs> hockey player, and it's amazing that he's been this effective. Like when the Bruins won the Stanley Cup, I in in 2011. Like I feel like that was like I remember everything from that. I feel like it was yesterday. Bergeron was the ripe age of 25. That's and my he's age now, right now. And he's now you're an old man. And he's now <laughs> 38. Yeah. What? Hey, Bergeron's out there winning a cup. What are you? Doing? I'm here fucking sitting my talking desk. about talking about when Bergeron was my age. Yeah, it is kind of crazy to think. Just to put it into perspective, really quick, like I, I, I'm 25 years old right now. I can't even imagine, go, you know, just the experiences that he's gone through at the age of 25. 
it's it's insane. I mean, he was already solidified as one of the best NHL players. He won a cup the, that year. It, I don't know, man. It's crazy. I don't want to get too sad now. We still have a long season to watch Bergeron play, and hopefully oh, a long yeah, playoff yeah. run as I'm well, not even so. – honestly, I'm not even thinking about that at this point. I'm just focused on right now. Okay. You know what I'm focused on? This next matchup. Who is it? We have infamous 2015 draft pick. Could have been on the Bruins. Wasn't. Kyle Connor or Senish? No, I'm just kidding. Kyle <laughs> Connor or Mitch Marner? Ooh. Honestly, this might sound crazy, but I would go Kyle Connor. Really? You wouldn't yeah. take Mitch Marner and put him at defense? <laughs> no, I... <laughs> Did I you think... see Toronto was talking about doing that? I don't yeah. know how serious they were. God, what are they doing up there? I don't and know. now they're think... sponsored by Milk. Sorry. Yeah. I think I think Mitch Marner, obviously, he's a great player. Um, he's more of a playmaker than a goal scorer. And right now, I would I would probably take Kyle Connor as a goal scorer over another playmaker. That's fair. They're, that's a yeah, that's I mean... a good one though. Those two are that's a difficult duo to pick from. I mean. I think I would – that is hard. I think I would take Kyle Connor too because it's it's not every day that you have – you come across a 40-goal scorer, and it's right. not every day that they're like 24. So right. I think for that, right. re- for that reason alone, I would probably take Kyle Connor. Next, battle of the defensemen. Going back to the Bruins, Hampus Lindholm or Seth Jones? I don't know. It's hard because it seems like every team that Seth Jones goes to, like – they suck. Stinks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would probably go with Hampus. He, I think he has more. I think he has more stability to his game than Seth Jones does. Yeah, that's fair. This is the only one I really didn't have an opinion on. I mean, I would take either. The Bruins yeah. fan in me wants to say um, Hampus Lindholm, though, so I'll say Hampus Lindholm. And yeah, I feel like Hampus. I feel like based off of some of the teams, and you're right, some of the teams that Seth Jones has played on. And to be fair, Hampus Lindholm was trapped in Anaheim for until he came here last year, I, w- I would feel more confident with Hampus Lindholm back there than I would Seth Jones. Yeah, but that's I just agree. Me. That's just me. All right. Now, this is the last one. This is either going to be really hard or really difficult. Would you rather have Kale McCarr or Connor Bedard? Kale McCarr. So I, it was really easy. I go Kale, yeah, I go Kale McCarr. Connor Bedard hasn't proved anything yet. Kale McCarr is Kale McCarr might win like the next like seven Norris trophies in a row. Oh, he definitely will. It, it's it's by the time you know we're in our forties, it's going to be called the McCarr Trophy. The amount of times he's going to win it. <laughs> yeah, just like the Selkie's going to be renamed the Bergeron Trophy. It definitely should. I mean, he's absolutely insane. Although. If what they're saying about Connor Bedard is true, and if his game translates to the NHL, like I'm sure he's hoping it will, oh my God, <laughs> we're about to have a second Connor McDavid on our hands because he's insane. That that the I think you shared it on your Instagram story on uh, the WHL. Who's he playing for? The Vancouver Giants or some shit? I don't no, know. I think he's on the Regina Pats. Either way, and and he had like 19 points in. Um, wasn't it like five games or something like that? Something stupid. Oh, no. he In 10 games. In 10 games. He had nine goals in 10 games for 19 points. This kid is 17 playing in one of the best junior leagues in the entire world. Absolutely insane. Do you think – I know it's it's 
big shoes to fill, and it's still a ways away. How do you think he's going to compare to Connor McDavid when he first entered the league? Because Connor McDavid, if I if I remember correctly, was I think he had forty four points in like forty games as a rookie because he fell and broke his collarbone, and then like his third year, I believe, when he was twenty, I believe was the year he won the MVP, the Hart, when he had like hundred and twenty points or some shit like that. Yeah, I mean Connor McDavid's. Um, yeah, he had forty eight points in forty five games in his rookie season, which is unreal. Um, I don't know. I think. Um... I mean, McDavid, you got to think too, and you got to remember, he went to a team with, you know, some already established talent, offensive talent at least. Taylor Hall, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, Nell Yakupov? Yeah, Nell Yakupov. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I It's tough to say because if, if Bedard ends up on a team with like, if Bedard ends up on a team like San Jose, I don't know, man. I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't really have any tools like up in to... Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, actually, I'm if he ends up in Seattle, I think that would be pretty cool. He could play with Shane Wright, um, Maddie Beneers, and, you know, other guys like that. They could be a wagon if they get Connor Bedard. That would, that would be great for Seattle if they can get Bedard. You're trying oh. to grow a team and you get a transcendent star like that. I don't yeah. know enough. I don't know enough about Connor Bedard. I haven't been watching him. I've been hearing and reading what they've been saying about him, and I have been seeing some of his highlights looks like he was made in a lab like some of the shit that he does is absolutely insane and some team is going to get very lucky when they draft him and i think it's part of his position who he is where he's from and his style of play i think he's going to carry some Connor mcdavid comparisons doesn't mean he's going to be Connor mcdavid and maybe that does it's not fair to him because those are some enormous shoes to fill but since Connor mcdavid's been drafted I mean, I can't think of any other prospect that's been lighting up every league they've ever played in to this point the way that Connor Bedard has. So it's hard not to draw the comparisons, yeah. you know? But but to be fair, like, Kale McCarr is, like, obscene, the shit that he can do. And I know I'm a big potential guy. Like, you know, you want to take the guy who's going to be really good over the guy who's okay right now or good right now. But, like, Kale McCarr is still, like, five years out from his prime. And he just had one of the greatest seasons a defenseman has ever had. We've gone on so many tangents on this show about how much I love Kale McCarr and about how good he is, so I won't go on for too much. But the only person I would take over Kale McCarr in the NHL is Connor McDavid. He's absolutely insane. Uh, I agree 100%. McCarr is the best defenseman in the league right now, and McDavid's the best forward. So, yeah, we are like kind of coming to a close to the show, but I do want to do one more thing. Anaheim comes into Boston tonight, and I want your prediction on the game. We got Linus Allmark as the probable starter and for the Bruins, and for Anaheim, it's uh, John Gibson. Mm, I thought John Gibson was hurt. Nope. Oh, good he, for he was day-to-day. He was day-to-day, but he's expected to start to, uh, tonight. Um... I mean, I, 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 Anaheim isn't very good. At least they haven't been good to start the year. They have a minus nine goal differential, and they're one and three. So, and I, I, I will f- say, in, in their in their four games that Anaheim has played, they've scored three goals. We've scored, or I'm sorry, they've averaged three goals a game, and we've averaged five and a half. Um, we're averaging thirty five and a half shots a game. They're averaging twenty three. 
our power plays 25%, their power plays 16.7. Um, our shooting percentage is 14.9, theirs is thir- uh, 13. And our faceoff percentage is 57.8, while theirs is 48.5. Um, defensively, the Bruins are allowing 3.75 goals a game. Anaheim is allowing 5.25. Um, Jesus. Anaheim is allowing an average of 42.5 shots a game. We're averaging 32.8 shots allowed a game. Our penalty kill is 92.3% to start the season, and Anaheim's is 62.5. And um, penalty minutes, 11.5 for Boston a game, and 14 for Anaheim. So uh, any predictions for tonight? You just can you just threw a whole bunch of numbers in my head. I zoned so out there for a second. I um I th- I think I think Bru- the Bruins gonna win. I I will say this though. I've been on a crazy streak of predictions lately. Not really, but when the Bruins <laughs> played Florida, I said before the game started that the Bruins were gonna win four to three. I was feeling it, and they would have won four to three if um who got that empty netter at the end if they sent Correct. it a little. Yeah, if Greer sent it a little wide, I mean, I would have been right. So I'm going to count that as a, as a correct prediction. Last game, the Bruins were down 3 nothing. I said, watch this. Bruins are going to win 6-4. to four. They didn't. They lost 7-5. to five. But, I mean, I was <laughs> pretty close. Like, those, those numbers are cl- – I got the teams wrong, and I was off by one goal for each. But that's pretty close. So I'm going to say, are the Bruins home or – they're home, right? You're going yep. to the game, aren't you? Yes, I will be there. Hell yeah. One half of the uh, – what are we called? The Bruins something <laughs> crew is going to be in attendance. But sometimes my mind just just goes faster than my mouth. Um, I'm going to predict that the Bruins are going to win. Linus Olmark's in net. I'm going to say 4-1. to 4-1 to one victory for the Bees? 4-1 to one victory for the Bees. I'm going to go with a 5-3 to three win for the Bruins. Listen, I'm expecting a dominating shutdown performance by Hampus Lindholm. He's a top defenseman against his former team. Yep. I think he's going to want to go out there and really show him something. And I would be remiss if we're talking about teams winning and I didn't bring up our fantasy hockey battle. Oh, no. You were running your <laughs> mouth the whole bunch last week. And I said, just wait for it. I'm going to come back. And sure enough, I did. I don't have the you final did. score in front of me. But I will say this. I am one of five teams who is undefeated. And you are currently tied for the worst record in the league. <laughs> it is true it is true but hey week one man week one man week um, one shout out to the team in the league Krejci's Bruin um they're first in the league with 633 points for absolutely blowing out the second <laughs> the second place team in the league Mel's crew by just under 100 points no I'm Mel's crew yeah yeah I know <laughs> oh, oh oh I thought you meant that we played each other no 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 so yeah so shout out to uh Krejci's Bruin so right now, um, the leader in the league for the prize at the end of the season. Um, yeah, sadly, I am in seventh. Um, shout out to Lauren, Darla's Dogs. She is right in the middle of the pack at fifth place. But um, so, yeah, that's that's we're, we're at about the hour and a half, maybe a little over that mark of the uh, podcast. Um, Bruins are three and one right now. Uh, first in the Atlantic Division. Um Playing well with other key guys, Marshawn, McAvoy, Grizzlick. I, I mean, you Carlo. can't really Carlo now. You can't, you can't really you can't forget Carlo. But 
you can't really have a, a a more solid start to your season than this. Uh, one loss in four games, six points out of eight. Um, two games against the division. Granted, they did lose one one game against the divisional opponent in Ottawa, but um, this is what you want to see early on in the season. They're playing good. They're playing with confidence. Um, offense is firing on all cylinders right now. Um, get McAvoy back. Get Marshawn back. Um, continue to play the the way that you are, and we're gonna have a solid season and a real exciting season to watch. Um, yeah, that's 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 all I have to say uh, on the matter. Mel, you got anything to close out? If you had told me, if you looked at the first four games and told me that they would start the season off three and one, I would feel pretty good, given they had Ottawa, Florida, and starting the season in Washington. So. I'm feeling pretty good right now. They have a crappy uh, Anaheim team coming in here on Thursday. You're going to the game. I better see some pictures from your seats on the old Twitter. Um, And I feel pretty good. I'm hoping that they keep up the energy. I'm hoping that they don't have another replay of last night uh, when they play the Ducks. And we'll see how they do. But I don't know how you can watch this team in the first four games. There's definitely stuff they need to work on. We've been over that. We need some more consistency out of Swayman. We need clean it up, not be as sloppy in the neutral zone in the defensive end. But the biggest thing for them is they just need to get healthy. So they just need to keep riding out this first quarter of the season until they get some bodies back. And that's when the show really starts. But no complaints right now. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling optimistic and I'm feeling confident. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to the game tonight, uh, intermission, come meet me uh, outside of one of the uh, beer stands and I'll get you a beer if you're 21 or older. So, <laughs> um, yeah, with that being said, this was Something's Brewing episode 11. <laughs> Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Cinnamon buns, cinnamon buns, cinnamon buns. It's a shame that One Direction and Big Time Rush never collabed. Oh, there you are.